And welcome everyone, it's that special time of the week again. It's time for a brand new installment of Cape TV. I, of course, am your host, Joel, and joining me is my partner in podcasting crime. It's Matt, everybody. How you going, Joel? I'm doing all right. Now, for people who were asking why there was no show last week, there was a reason for that, and that is that, you know, Flash wasn't on, Legends wasn't on, and honestly, Matt and I needed the break, so we're like, you know what, let's actually take the break on this one. Could we have done a show? Yeah, probably. We're going to maybe double back and talk about some stuff we missed, because Rebels, a show that Matt and I love, came out last week. It made its big return. There was a new episode tonight, but as we record this on Saturday, I haven't had a chance to see it yet of you i have i i watched it earlier this morning god damn you can tell who the bigger star wars fan is right here where it's like no i will make time to see it <laughs> damn it i also haven't had a chance to watch the new steven universe episode yet even though people have been blowing up my inbox and my twitter feed going oh you know it was such a great episode you're gonna love it you know all the themes and everything they talk about so expect us to talk about those down the line but uh kicking the show off as is so often the case because it's on so early in the week we had supergirl season two episode 13 right and this was this was the mr uh mixelplick episode am i correct in that matt yes it was the mr 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 spitzlick episode mr spitlick everyone says it a little differently i think paul dini said you know just call him mixy what about that (laughs) yeah that's like the easiest way (laughs) mixiel spitlick yeah yeah so he shows up in national city to cause some trouble for kara who he becomes infatuated with much like how he did in the comics <laughs> nice. and um the, the thing with this is is that uh Mon-El actually knows who he is because he's had run-ins with fifth dimensional imps on daxum no fucking apparently, way apparently they were quite the party animals on daxum <laughs> wow that is that is so awesome yeah, so he he knows what they're capable of and everything, and he's also kind of a little bit jealous that he's actually his plan to woo Kara is actually kind of working. <laughs> really, she starts kind of falling for Mixelplick. Yeah, and kind of turning uh, against Monel a little bit as well. But yeah, it, it was a pretty cool episode. I think this was kind of meant to be like the Valentine's Day episode because there was a whole like subplot with. Alex and Maggie Sawyer and Valentine's Day and everything. Mm. Um, but the story was mainly Miss, Mr. Mixel Pixlick and everything. And, yeah, it was actually really cool. The The end fight is in the Fortress of Solitude nice. uh, with Kara fighting the ice. You know how Superman has the big ice statues of his parents? Yeah, yeah. The Jor-El one comes alive and fights Supergirl. Holy shit, this is a mixy comic storyline, isn't this? Oh, it is. And his powers as well are, are pretty great. He does some pretty cool stuff with it. He appears in a Superman costume. And uh, it's just a, it's a really great episode. And, and they, they, they do the thing like they do in the comic to get him to go away. You have to have him say his name backwards. <laughs> and they get, it, they get him to do that in a really smart way. Kara was going to blow up the uh, Fortress of Solitude. He's going to blow up the Atomic Cauldron, uh, which people will probably recognize from Lego Batman. Yes. And um, they, she got him to put his name into the computer backwards. And if he speaks or writes his name, he gets taken back to the fifth dimension. That's that's always one of the best parts of mixy episodes of cartoons and mixy centric things in the comics, where it's like, what creative and interesting way will you get him to say his name backwards? 
Yeah, yeah, I always like when they when they come up with really interesting ways to do that. It, it you got to be clever because it's like you know you're not just gonna like cheap them out and get them to say it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking at the actor who they got to play him right now too. Oh, I can see why uh, she might start falling for him. I say this with a completely untarnished record of heterosexuality, but that's a handsome man, <laughs> is what that is. Yes, and on top of that, he had a British accent. Oh, of course. So he's Sherlocking it all over the place, isn't he? Yep. This this man is so handsome he could run for the Liberal Party of Canada and probably win. <laughs> <laughs> but dumb tish self-referential Canada humor cause I can. Now uh there was a new episode last week too. That was the one with the Luthers and you were really interested in that cuz we got to see the war armor, right? Yeah, that was actually a really cool episode. Uh Lex's mother breaks out of prison and his sister Lena is kind of embroiled in this plot and everything and they they need her to open up Lex's special secret mm. underground armor catch that he has all these different weapons in and everything. And uh, Metallo is in the episode as well, and he comes back, and they they actually introduce synthetic kryptonite. Oh, holy shit. Uh, which, which is a big thing from the comics, and it actually has this property from the comics. It's not – it's like a shoddy kryptonite, and it actually ends up trying to kill – metallo when he uses it as his heart and everything it's actually a really cool episode to think we're only two seasons into supergirl and it's doing all this shit that the movies haven't done yet in all the multiple superman movies we've had i know right it's insane like the, the characters that are turning up in this like seeing mixing in something is pretty much all i ever wanted and now you're telling me the tv show did it and a pretty good version too yeah, he was pretty good. I I didn't like that he he didn't like look how he looked in the comments, but I guess like they can't obviously do like this little imp man the, old man Peter sort of thing. Dinklage is busy, that's why. <laughs> I was hoping though that like when he got sucked back into the fifth dimension, like the form you see there was just like some illusion he put on mm. to attract Kara to himself or something, but it, it didn't happen. It might happen, you never know. It, it is one of those things you figure if he can look any way he wants to, why would he look like miniature Gilbert Godfrey? Exactly. I wouldn't, but you know, maybe I would though, because I'm just crazy like that. <laughs> <laughs> so so overall you would uh you would recommend mr and mrs mixelplick which is the name of the episode mixel spit like whatever we'll never get it right yeah yeah this was a really great episode and i hope he appears again in the show ah, i mean he that mixie is totally the sort of villain who's meant to be recurring i hope he does come back yeah now, uh, moving on from stuff that we've always wanted to see in Superman movies but never got to stuff I've always wanted to see in Flash stuff, and oh my god, they actually gave it to us. Uh, this was Flash Season 3, Episode 13, Attack on Gorilla City, Part 1 of the big two-part Gorilla City crossover. or Well, not crossover, but I mean, it's a two-parter, so you know. Yeah, they went to Earth 2 and visited Gorilla City to rescue Harry Wells. Yeah, they sure fucking did. And man, I gotta say, Flash has it down so pat with the camera tricks and everything to make the CGI gorillas look big and intimidating and make the city actually look like a real Gorilla City. They just shoot it far away and in the dark. <laughs> yeah, pretty much far away in the dark. Everything's in the dark, except for when Flash went out into that arena and fought um i can't remember who he fought solovar yeah solovar now that was impressive we get a big like gladiator are you not entertained fight between the flash and a big giant ape and i'm like this is fucking comics right here is what this is yeah 
it was awesome. It was awesome, and they, you know, they throw a bit of a curveball at you there because we get to hook up with Grodd and see what became of him ever since he got sent to Gorilla City, and it seems he's living something of a, what is it, second-class citizen life there. He doesn't like it, and of course we get this, we almost get a bit of a swerve where he goes, oh, no, 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 Solovar is the bad guy. He's the one trying to take over human cities, and I'm like, wait a minute, but Solovar in the comic was always a good guy. Yeah, it was kind of like a... Uh... Kind of tricking Flash a little bit since he hadn't been around for very long. Mm -hmm. And tricking the audience by extension. I was thoroughly tricked. I'm like, okay, so he's the bad guy now. But oh no, wait, Grodd is like the scheming Jafar Vizier trying to use Team Flash to, you know, climb the corporate power ladder of Gorilla City and take over. And they do another really cool thing, which means they don't have to blow their wad on ape CGI. Because the gorillas are all psychic, they talk through uh, different characters. Yeah, like eighty percent of their dialogue was talked through, like Harry Wells or or Cisco or someone. Mm -hmm. Which means Tom Cavanaugh essentially gets to show his acting muscles yet again. If it's not enough playing two different versions of himself on the same show, he also gets to be Grodd speaking through him. Yeah, he he plays such a good character in that show. He does. I mean, like, I think the show was at its weakest for the little bit when they had no Wells around. Like, shit, I've even come around to frickin' HR, which I never thought I would. Yeah, yeah. And also, this episode, we got, we got a little bit more of, um... Uh, Malfoy as well. He, he yes. kind of came out of his shell a little bit this episode. Yeah, he really came to join Team Flash in a meaningful way, and I like when he hears they're going on like a safari to a gorilla city. He, of course, dresses up like Indiana Jones, and everyone makes fun of him for the entirety of the episode. I love that. It's so good. That's it. I, I like they're not afraid, not afraid to make him, you know, funny. Where it's like, yeah, he's the stick up his butt character, but you know, he, you know, he is a character. He has things that he does that are funny. And furthermore, they seem to be uh, chasing down this idea that oh, maybe Julian feels a little bit for Caitlin. It's more than just him trying to protect her from becoming Killer Frost. But oh no, he actually likes her. Yeah, there's a there's a romance budding there. I think. Yeah, there's definitely, they have a lot similar going on. You know, he fears becoming Dr. Alchemy again. She fears becoming Killer Frost like Killer Frost was in Earth 2. They're both really smart. There's some good common ground there. I think I think they're a cute couple. That being said, they, they pretty much rushed into the relationship pretty quick, didn't they? They were only together for two episodes, and now they're already going out for drinks and dinner and assumedly more. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm wondering, though, if they, they're, they have any plans of bringing back um, uh, Robbie Raymond or anything yeah yeah that would be something wouldn't it it felt so weird that you know they were running ahead with the comic accurate version of firestorm only to be like ah crap this actor got more work so we gotta sub him out for jacks i guess yeah and, and the thing is they they killed him off as well as in like he he won't come back unless we go to another earth and get another robbie raymond <laughs> it's true although that being said he was really cool as death storm when we saw the evil mm. version of him. That was the last time we got to see that actor, and he did okay. Yeah, that was pretty cool. There was also, like, a subplot in this episode, a B-plot, that I don't know about you, Matt, but I found the whole thing kind of annoying, because Jesse Quick came back, and obviously, last we saw her, her and Wally were kind of getting into a bit of a flirtatious relationship and everything, and now they're meeting for the first time again, and they both have powers. And Wally, admittedly, is being kind of a dick, where he's just like, hey, why don't why don't you come and live with me on this universe? Why do you want to live with me on my Earth? And I'm like, why don't you go live with her on her Earth, dude? 
Yeah, he was kind of being a dick, and he's also being kind of showboatish as well. Oh, yes, you know, he's trying to show off, and she's just having none of it. No. <laughs> there was a really sweet moment, though, with Jesse meeting HR and kind of growing closer to this man who looks like her father, but is not her father. Yeah, that that was kind of weird, that first meeting when she went and, like, hugged him and everything because she thought that it was her father mm -hmm. when it actually wasn't and everything. Kind of awkward as well. Nope, just, just doppelganger. In fact, now that I think about it, it's very similar to the relationship Barry has with, uh, what is it, Earth 2 Flash, who obviously looks like his dad but isn't. Yeah, yeah, with Earth 2 Jay Garrick, yeah. Yeah, friggin', friggin', uh, friggin' Flash has an amazing job here being able to recycle great actors over and over again. It does. Yeah, you say, hey, do I get paid twice for this role? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I'm technically another character, so do I get, get all that money back again? Do I get two paychecks? <laughs> I would love to know that for those actors, actually. Do they get two paychecks for pay playing different characters? <laughs> now, what's interesting about this is that obviously they made a big deal about this being a two-parter and everything, but... At the end of the episode, everything is wrapped up. Like, this was a full, complete episode, except for the stinger at the end. Yeah, it, it kind of wrapped itself up. So, like, what is the, is the next part just, like, I guess, Grodd coming to Central City or something? Or Well, the episode yeah, next is literally called Attack on Central City, where this one was Attack well, there you on Central City. So, there you go. The, the thing that gets me is that the way that they're going to be hopping the breach is that they have Gypsy... And all I could think is, like, well, where the fuck did they get Gypsy from? Why was she there? Yeah, like, what what happened to her at the end of her episode uh, not too long ago? She, 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 went, went, she went, went back, didn't she? Yeah, she went back to her own Earth because her mission was complete. Unless, and this was my theory I was kicking around, that's not the Gypsy from, like, Earth-19. That's the Earth-2 version of Gypsy. Maybe, maybe. Who, who just so happened to have the same powers and everything. I mean, I guess... It would be fun because, you know, we saw all the stuff with Solovar. I would like it if uh, Flash is like, oh, man, I guess I really screwed up with that one. And maybe we kind of get to see Solovar become a hero again because, uh, what is it? That was Keith David who did his voice. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, what little voice we got of Solovar that wasn't Harry Wells. <laughs> it's, it's true. Solovar didn't speak much. And when they did, they had a bit of a reverb on it. But I'm like, dude, that's freaking Keith David. That's Goliath and Spawn and all this other stuff. Yeah, that would be cool if we get to hear more of him. Yeah, I would I would love to see him be recurring. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Solovar was one of my favorite uh, like side characters from the comics, and I would love to see him be recurring. Who doesn't want a good, giant, psychic gorilla on your team? Exactly. Also, too, I mean, like, I'll take my hat off to Grodd. He's had a hell of an evolution as a villain from being, like, a dumb test subject ape in the first season to getting a little smarter to now, again, basically being giant gorilla Jafar. Yeah, he, his story's been actually pretty great, and I hope we actually get to see more of him outside of this arc. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, ho I hope he doesn't go away. I hope he continues to be a recurring villain, because if you play the cards right, although I imagine it would be ridiculously expensive, I would love to see, like, Grodd as a season-long villain. That would be pretty cool, yeah. You'd have to, like, be get really creative as well. Mm-hmm. With, like, how you show him and everything and where you show him. But, yeah, I, that'd actually be really cool. I mean, I can't imagine doing a season-long Gorilla Grodd thing would be any more expensive than doing a season-long Savitar thing. Because Savitar is just made in a computer. He's not a real guy standing there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
And I mean, there's some really great stories like the Flash's gauntlet and everything where basically all of the rogues got together to try and kill him and you find out at the end, oh, it's because Gorilla Grodd was manipulating their minds. That's why they were acting out of character. See, you could do that as a season-long thing because you have all the rogues up until like the last couple of episodes of this season and then you bring in Grodd and say he's behind everything it was me Barry exactly it was me all along they pull off the mask it was me Austin it was me (laughs) (laughs) and you know that would be a perfect way too if you wanted to bring back Heatwave and Captain Cold and make them villains again for a little bit be like oh yeah because their minds were controlled exactly yeah it'd be a really great way to get like this big reunion of the rogues Mm -hmm. and you just hand wave it away and be like yep mind control that's why yeah exactly it writes itself it really does so i think we're all in agreement attack on gorilla city was pretty freaking solid yeah let's hope the next episode is as well yeah me too i hope they didn't blow their wad on this one i hope they didn't like use all the good ideas in the first part because that happens sometimes doesn't it it does, yes. Yeah. So moving on from giant apes to killer robots, we have Agents of Shield season four. Self control was the title of this episode, and we never got to talk about the episode last week. But man, Shield has had two episodes in a row that feel like they could have been season finales. Oh god, yeah. Well, these were technically season finales of the LMD arc, mm. uh, but my god, these last two episodes were amazing. They're some of the best TV I've seen. It's definitely some of the highest high points, I would say, for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I know some people are like, oh, that show was never good, or oh, that show's always boring. Trust me, if you didn't give it a chance, you should at least watch these last two, because I think these are like the heights of the show, like when it's really, really good. Yeah, and this one like sets the stage for the third arc which is a hydra arc and it it's a very interesting hydra arc yeah so basically at the end of the last episode they had defeated evil russian men uh a- a- anton alexiov but boris badenov i can never remember his name he's, he's <laughs> evil russian men is what he is they defeated him they went back to base only to have their lmd detector set off and be like oh oh, we came back with four LMDs, uh-oh, uh-oh. And they have basically like this they live the thing moment where it's like, well, which one of us is the robot? Yeah, and I, I got to say, the stuff with Fitz and Simmons was absolutely amazing. Uh, some of the best acting from both of those actors in that scene where it's like, I'm not the machine, you're the machine. And to see these two people who love each other just screaming at each other was really well done. It was, and th- this was actually directed by Jed Whedon as well. It's his first really? time directing as well. Well, fuck, I hope he does more. He did a really good job in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> great, great use, I would say, great use of space and geography, because we essentially have a whole episode that takes place entirely like in the S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ, but we're seeing places we've never seen before. We're seeing angles we've never seen before. We get... Some great fight scenes. I mean, I would argue some of the best fight scenes in the show, period, because it's Daisy and Simmons are the last two standing. They're the last two human ones, and they have to fight robot duplicates of their friends. Yeah, especially like the the, the Quake fighting Phil Coulson and Mac. That yeah. that fight was amazing. That was great. The one with Mace was pretty freaking great too, where you know yeah. she's you know using her powers all over the place and people are getting sent through windows and freaking robot heads are exploding. I'm so glad. I'm so glad this show remembers that as far as standards and practices go on American television, you can be as cruel and as sadistic as you want to robots so long as you're not doing it to real people. 
Yeah, and as long as the blood isn't actually red, you can have as much as you want. Oh yeah, they they go nuts on this one, and I think it's really well done. They also show some cleverness too, you know, down in the shield basement. Hey, what do we got here? Uh, a bunch of knockout gas. Oh well, we got to use that then. Yeah, that was actually really smart. They they knock out everyone who was human, so everyone who's still left standing is an LMD. Really smart idea, and I like to. They strap the knockout gas to a bunch of ATVs and then send the ATVs down the <laughs> hall to blow up. <laughs> That's some freaking MacGyver shit, and I really dug that. There's a. Uh, there's also some other stuff going on in this episode. Uh, Robo Coulson wakes up the Robo May, and they basically have a whole conversation, being like, "Hey, well, we can be together now and everything. Sure, we're robots, but we at least know we're robots, right? So you know, we can have the happy love and life that you know the real two versions of us never could have." And shockingly, Robo May goes through one a hell of an arc and one hell of a turn in this episode. Yeah, she's kind of a, I guess, a hero now. Yeah, she's a tragic character. She has a total Blade Runner moment of like, you know, ah, it's not real. No, yeah, it it she doesn't want to be part of uh, this whole dark hole thing anymore. She just wants to, I guess, live her life and and make it her own and everything, and not have someone telling her what she wants to be doing and whatnot. She found her robot humanity. She basically had a little Westworld moment is what she had. <laughs> like, oh God, I found the center of the maze. <laughs> I can ask questions now. I gotta go freaking kill Ford now. <laughs> but yeah, that was a really cool moment with her. I really, really enjoyed that. And it's it's like you kind of knew when she let them go. It's like, oh, she's going to blow herself up now. She's going to blow herself up now. And she did, and it was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, that was a really cool scene. That was a really, really cool scene. We also see Ada kind of take a level in villain now. She's hit that point where all evil robots hit, where she's like, hmm, I don't think I need my original creator anymore. I think I have outgrown my need for him. Yeah, yeah. Well, we Do do we still have the, um, the robot of him? Is he still kicking around? Uh, no, they burnt him, remember? They incinerated yeah, the that's right. bot, and they were going to incinerate the Maybot, but they never got around to it, which, man, that's freaking lazy for a big government <laughs> agency. You think, you think you'd have an intern burning the robots. But, oh, well, uh, they're busy. They're busy, you know. <laughs> yeah, they got shit they're doing. I'm sure she'll build another robot, because, you know, we're now at the point where robots are building robots, and building sophisticated robots, too, because obviously McRussian bad guy was really hurt at the end of the previous episode. His body was no good anymore. So she essentially took his brain, built him an LMD body, and said, okay, look, your brain is alive and well, but now you're piloting this LMD. You're you're the next level of, like, human-robotic fusion. Yeah, he, he's literally a head in a jar. He is the living brain now, is what he is. He is. That is so cool. <laughs> He is super science fiction, and in a way, he's like, I ah, you know I'm kind of okay with this. I hate inhumans and I hate robots, but I don't hate this. <laughs> yeah, he's still in control, so he's okay with it. Also, too, I gotta wonder there, where it's like, oh, you know, is Ada kind of getting a crush on Robo Russian now? Where it's like, hey, you know, it lets you and me live together as like the Adam and Eve of this new crazy LMD race. I'm okay with that. This Russian guy's been getting one hell of a character arc. He really has been. It's funny where it's like, man, you might be one of the most interesting villains this show has done yet, and you're not from the comics. 
No, it's great. It's shocking. It's really shocking. Like, I would say probably the only other S.H.I.E.L.D. villains who were as good as him were, like, uh, Ward and uh, his uh, his buddy, the uh, Powers Booth guy. His name escapes me now, but they yeah. were really good. And uh, speaking of Ward... Yes, yes, we do. We do like the freaking Dallas ending where she comes out of the shower and everything. And it's like, oh, was it all a dream? It's like, oh, I'm, I'm living my perfect life now with my perfect partner who is what? <laughs> yeah, they they all get sort of put in the uh, that big, I guess, animus thing the that they've been making. Yeah, the Matrix that uh, Ada has made. She's made one of like the whole world and it's mm. like this perfect world. And we find out that it's kind of perfect because Hydra kind of rules everything. And yes. it, it seems to be very secret empire-ish. It really, really does. It, it's secret empire, and it's also a little bit House of M, too, because the way Ada pitches it, where it's like, yeah, it's a world where not everything is 100% perfect, but, you know, we took away your biggest regret. So, like, Mac's daughter is alive now. Yeah, Colson isn't a shield agent, he's a teacher. Yeah, he's just a regular dude. Friggin' uh Fitz seems to be rich. Yeah, and he's married to someone we don't know. Who's not Simmons. No, Simmons is actually dead. Which which man, that's kinda fucked up in your perfect world, you're dead. Well, I guess she's not in the simulation, so you know, hey, she doesn't have to be. <laughs> yeah, and and May is still part of Shield. She works at the Triskelion, which we see. Yes. Which is pretty awesome. <laughs> Only it's not a shield symbol on the outside, it's a Hydra symbol. <laughs> yeah, oh, this next next arc's going to be so good. Man, I have no idea where this is going now. And that's kind of been the great thing about S.H.I.E.L.D. and something I don't think people give S.H.I.E.L.D. enough credit for. It is consistently reinventing itself. Like, it is never the same show two seasons, two arcs in a row. And I think that is is partly due to those arcs. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's amazing the way they kind of, like, change all the pieces, but also keep the characters and keep the development in the same way, but also do, like, different genres. Like, the first part of this season was horror with Ghost Rider and everything. Now we're doing Blade Runner, Westworld Robots, and now in the next part of this season, we're going full-on Matrix, you know, computer realities, like House of M, you know, this-is-your-life type shit. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, this this was a strong episode. The episode before it were a strong episode. In fact, I would say part and parcel, these were two of the strongest episodes of S.H.I.E.L.D. maybe overall. I agree. These were really good. And again, I, I know some people, you know, you've had love-hate relationships with S.H.I.E.L.D. If you dropped off, if you love robots, and if you love everything we're laying down here, at least check out these last two. Check out episodes, uh, what is it, the last two episodes of season four. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Now, does the show go on break for a bit? Because I know a couple of the shows we're talking about are going on break for a while. Yeah, it goes on break for, like, a, I think a whopping six weeks. So it doesn't come back until mid-April. Damn. And I, I think it's partly due to the fact that I think they're probably going to be having a Spider-Man tie-in, maybe. Mm, that'll be cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., everyone. It's going on break, so if you need to catch up, I would say catch up now. And the next show we're going to talk about, it's going on break, too, for, I think, about the same amount of time. And that is Legends of Tomorrow. This was Season 2, Episode 12, Camelot 3000. Yes, they're going still after the JSA, who they found 
uh, uh, spread throughout time thanks to Rip. Yep, thanks to Rip. Thanks to Evil Rip, who I love Evil Rip's new costume is just his old costume, but everything is black yeah. now. <laughs> that is, yep. that is good villainous <laughs> shit where it's like, oh no, I've had my morality inverted. What do I do? Black coat, black shirt, black shoes, black everything. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, Evil Rip continues to be far more interesting than Good Rip ever was. He he is very interesting. He's he's not mopey about his dead son and wife. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, he he's 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 great. I, I just don't understand like why he's great. He's just he, much he's, better as a villain. <laughs> he's not being a hypocrite. He's not being yeah. anything. He's like actually being enjoyable. This actor was born to play a villain, I'm going to say that right now. And in fact, he's essentially become the fourth part of the Legion of Doom. He really has, after, yeah, the other characters, he's pretty much the fourth member of the Legion of Doom. And in fact, they make a point of saying he's actually winning where the Legion of Doom has been losing. He got the other piece of the spear from, like, uh, George Washington in that thing and was able to walk away from it. And in this episode, he got the other one from Dr. Midnight. So that's two pieces he got that Reverse Flash, Merlin, and Damien Dark couldn't get. Yeah, and how long did they spend trying to get those parts? <laughs> and he has no powers! I know, he just, like, turns up and murders Dr. Midnight and takes his spear. Mur murders him pretty violently, too, which I thought was pretty surprising for this show. Like, they rarely go that dark. Yeah, well, well he, he had the spear inside of him, so he had to kind of cut him open to get it. Had to get it out somehow, and that dude was most definitely not a robot. No. <laughs> that dude was flesh and blood. And in fact, there's a, there's a, oh god, there was a great joke. I can't, oh yeah, it was, it was Heat Wave when he's looking down where he's like, rest in, or, uh, rest in peace. It's like, oh, that, well said. Oh no, it was written on the floor. Oh no, wait, that's not rest in peace, that's Rip. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit, that was actually a good joke, guys. That was a good setup and good payoff. <laughs> Heat Wave consistently being one of the funnier parts of this show. And from the far-flung Blade Runner future of, like, you know, the year 3000, which is funny, it's year 3000 Detroit, and it looks nice. Yeah, I, I made that joke. I'm like, oh, it's so nice that the Legends of Tomorrow writing team think Detroit will be around in the year 3000. They are, they are <laughs> super, super optimistic, these Legends writers. Good on them for being optimistic. <laughs> Uh, so from there they end up going to Camelot and one of the big thrusts of the episode is that we find out Ray Palmer is really in love with the Arthurian legends and all the bedtime stories and everything but you know Haywood being a historian and everything is like no that's not how it happened you know history and fiction are very different even though the fiction side actually seems to win out in this episode so fuck, so fuck <laughs> and, and in every and in every episode since he's joined the team it's true like <laughs> Like, that's something you could actually do in a show about time travel. Be like, yeah, let's contrast and compare the legends of these time periods to the actual reality of it. Or, you know, let's just do the fantasy aspect of it because that's what people want to see because this is television. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they hang out with King Arthur at the round table and we find out Merlin is actually Stargirl. Which I thought was actually a very clever twist because she's got the star staff. Which, of course, they would think was magical, so that's pretty yeah. awesome, actually. Yeah, it's a very nice twist. Yeah, although, man, both historians and fantasy writers really dropped the fucking ball when a hot-ass Stargirl eventually turned into an old man with a beard. How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> 
no, no, no. No one be- would believe this teenage girl with a star stab. Not no, old man with a beard. That's how it happened. <laughs> That's the real history. That's all I could think about is like dogma with Chris Rock being like, yeah, I was an apostle, but they wrote me out of the Bible because I was black. <laughs> <laughs> they wrote her out of Arthurian law or, you know, Arthurian lore because she was a teenage girl. And uh, yeah, I mean, the whole thing is they need to find the next part of the spear, which I don't know about you, Matt, but I freaking called it right away. It's going to be Excalibur. It's going to be the sword. That's where it's going to oh, be. Yeah. Oh, you mean you, you caught it like when they had that shot where it like held on Excalibur mm. for like 10 minutes? Oh, oh, yes. <laughs> yep. I mean, all in all, this episode had a lot of cool setup, a lot of cool like production values because they all dress up in Ren Fair outfits and everything. But oh man, did the dumb Legends writing show its head this episode with everyone kind of being really stupid for no reason. Like Stargirl and Amara fight about what's the right thing to do. And then like White Canary and uh, Vixen fight because Vixen didn't like it that she let Rip go in the previous episode, even though she'll eventually do the same thing in this episode. Yeah, it was. It's kind of frustrating. It is. They 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 also had a, had a part where where they're like like we can, we can't say lightsaber, yeah. but this is a lightsaber. <laughs> Which again, to, if I may mention Chris Rock and Kevin Smith movies, damn George Lucas gonna sue somebody. <laughs> that's what that was also here's another dumb thing so like the legion of doom with damien dark and evil rip who i i like damien dark is dressed up like the black knight in this episode he didn't have to but he wanted yeah. to <laughs> they uh, they recruit like a slave army using you know technology from the future and the heroes have to go fight them but it's the dumbest thing because it's like you know guys if you all fought you could probably win like, why, why isn't Vixen out on the field? She could turn into a rhino and bowl all these guys over, but somehow she's in the castle. Why isn't Stargirl out there? She could win this whole fight with her star staff. You know, why isn't White Canary the toughest fighter there? Why why don't doesn't Firestorm transform and just, like, you know, flash flame them? Oh, yeah, because then the fight would be over, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, it costs money. Mm-hmm. Also, hey, Ray, I'm glad you built your uh, Atom Tech inside your knight armor and everything, and you have a lightsaber. You do know you would be more useful, I don't know, shrinking down to small size, getting inside their ears, and taking off the goddamn things that are controlling their minds. <laughs> well, you, you see, Joel, they, they can't do that properly. Mm-hmm. So, so, and it costs money, so, you know, they, they, they don't want to do that. They, they, they always seem to forget they all have powers, all very good powers as well. Mm-hmm. They... Until it's very convenient. Otherwise, you know, they don't use them. <laughs> also, uh, Ray's an idiot. Once again, he's the smartest idiot you'll ever make or ever meet. Because he's like, well, I want to stay and fight because I loved these stories as a child and I want to be part of them. Even though I might die and even though my team is literally ready to leave without me. Also, like, staying behind and fighting in something that's in history, that's how aberrations are caused. You're trying to stop them, you idiot. <laughs> mm-hmm. And their reason for leaving, too, makes a lot of sense, where it's like, yeah, it's more important to keep the head of the Spear of Destiny away from the Legion of Doom, because then they'll rewrite all of reality, and that will be bad. So we probably should leave while the going's good. Oh, no, wait, I guess we'll go and fight anyway, because friendship, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's kind of hard to have, like, this uh, attempted hard science fiction, but also try and do, like, all the superhero team tropes. They don't get along sometimes, and this was an episode where it really didn't get along. 
No. <laughs> one funny thing, though, and one redeeming thing, uh, Heatwave continues to be the best character. Heatwave wins the day because they hook him up to a machine that blows up all the other ones because his mind is so fucked up. Yeah, and it's stronger than Martin's or something. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I don't know. But he, he wins the day, and he says, yeah, I won because of my brain. Say it, say it. And then he goes back and starts drinking all the booze on the Wave Rider. Yep, truly Heatwave, the greatest hero who ever lived. He is. And man, he's been cleaning up in the last two episodes. He saved the day twice now. He saved George Washington in the previous episode, and now he saved Camelot and King Arthur. <laughs> yeah, what is going on? <laughs> why, why does Heatwave even need a team at this point? Apparently he can just do everything by himself. <laughs> it's also, I, I like to think that like Heatwave is like, I'm sick of all these incompetent heroes like Ray and everything. I'm just going to be a, a hero myself and show him how it's fucking done. <laughs> We're going to find out by the end of this he's actually Rain Man. He's some sort of idiot savant <laughs> he's actually been tricking everyone he's not stupid at all he's actually a genius <laughs> oh man uh, the big stinger for this episode was another one where i'm kind of like why didn't you think of this idiot so they they lock they lock evil rip up in the cell because damien leaves him behind after the fight for some reason, even though he's the Legion of Doom's best tool right now, and he's been doing good, but I guess he was jealous, and apparently when they rewrote Rip's mind, they didn't take the sass out of him enough. So they throw him in the brig, they throw him in the Wave Rider's brig, and then obviously because he's captain, he's like, hey, hey computer, listen to me. Yeah, and it does, which, like, begs the question, like, this is an AI who can, like, think for itself and everything. Why isn't it like, hey, this guy's actually evil. I probably shouldn't be listening to it. Yeah, yeah, it's like they didn't go into the operating system of the computer on the Wave Rider, and it's like, take away credentials from Rip, he evil now. Yeah, and that, that also, like, begs the question, like, why didn't he do that when he was on the ship in the last episode? It's true. Like, yeah. Remember how he boarded, boarded the ship and was hunting Jacks and everything? It's Why true. didn't he just go, like, computer, take the ship to a different time so the other team members can't help? Uh, I think that was one of the situations where they were stranded by plot. You know how the Wave Rider often gets afflicted with plot damages that mean they can't move that episode because it's going to be I... important? Oh, yeah, like Ray touches something or something. Yeah, ap apparently that ship is held together by frickin' crackers and bubble gum because you touch it in one <laughs> place and it breaks into a million pieces. Now, here's a question I really hope they answer going forward. Gideon is the AI of the Wave Rider. Yes, we know this. Mm -hmm. Gideon was also the AI that Reverse Flash was using in the first couple yeah. seasons of Flash. Are they ever going to acknowledge this or do something with that? I think they need to actually find a reason how to acknowledge that. They're like, oh, crap, we, we kind of shot ourselves in the foot there. Or, or are they going to... Because here's the thing. Like, my original thought was, oh, okay, Gideon is just the Siri of the future, right? Everyone has a Gideon on their phone. But no, in other episodes of Legends, we've seen other Time Masters ships, and they have their own AIs with their own names and their own personalities. In fact, the Wave Rider even got one for a bit, remember? Yeah, so, like... I guess Eobard has to, like, come aboard and take it or something. I don't know. Or they have a pre-existing relationship. I don't know. How did he get Time Master Tech? This seems like an important backbone of an episode. I hope they write it, and I hope it's not stupid when they write it. 
Yeah, 50-50. Yeah, 50-50 at this point. So that was Legends of Tomorrow. It had cool moments, but if the inconsistent writing of this show bothers you, you're going to be tearing your hair out in this one. Yeah. So that's that. That's Legends for it. You, you see, Matt, here's the problem. The last couple episodes of Legends, they were too good, was the thing. They've been doing too good. They had to remind you they can fuck up again. <laughs> <laughs> They were doing too all right. I'm like, this is the legends I remember <laughs> and put up with for whatever reason. And uh, moving on from legends, we, of course, have Legion season one, episode three, entitled chapter three. Get it. That's the gimmick for this show. They don't do episode titles. They do chapters. Yes, they're too good for episode names. Too good for episode names, which, hey, you know what? I think we should start doing that with this show. In fact, I have actually. I've stopped putting titles at the end of Cape <laughs> It's just episode seven, episode eight. I was sick of thinking of titles. We're, we're highbrow now. We're highbrow. Mm, mm, yes, we're one of the smartest podcasts on the internet talking about the superhero TVs. Mm, yes, rather. Now you, did, now, you didn't get around to watching this, Matt, did you? No, and uh, we, we talked about it a little bit before starting this, and I think we're kind of on the same boat with the show at the moment. Yeah, I'm I'm glad, Matt. I'm glad you could admit that you didn't see it, because here's the thing. I put it off to the last minute. I didn't watch it until, like, 40 minutes before we recorded. Because, like, the first episode, I wasn't sure about the second episode. I really wanted to see. But Legion has kind of hit this point now where I, I guess I compare it to Twin Peaks or something, where it's doing so much weird for the sake of weird. I'm like, okay, if, you, if you're not going to try and make literal sense every episode, maybe I should just wait until you're done and watch it all in one go. Because the show seems to continually be telegraphing, oh, we're building up to something. Oh, there's going to be a big twist. You'll see we're building up to it. But in the meantime... Here's a lot of, like, real dream logic and, like, lots of camera tricks and lots of other stuff to try and make you feel like you're insane. Yeah, I, I kind of felt that with the first episode. I liked the first episode, but I thought, like, if this is what it's going to be like for, I think the season's, like, eight episodes or something. Yeah, sure. If it's, if, if it's going to be like this for eight episodes, I'm probably going to have to stop watching and maybe watch it once it's finished. Right, because my idea was, you know, episode one, we're in an asylum you know, we're seeing through the eyes of David, so obviously they want to make us feel like we're crazy. And I'm like, oh, what a great gimmick for a first episode. And then by the end, you know, they break out and they do the fight and stuff gets, you know, more normal. And I'm like, okay, see, he broke out of the world of crazy and it's going to be like a more straightforward show from here on out. Yeah. Nope, every episode is suitably crazy and trippy, which is yeah. fine, but it makes it kind of hard to focus on on a week-to-week -week basis. Yeah, it does. They keep doing like this. Well, I, I haven't seen the third episode, but I know in the second episode they did like that Inception thing where they all have to go into David's mind to find out what's going on and whatnot. And I guess episode three is more of the same. Yes, they're still doing that, which was another oh, thing God. I'm kind of annoyed. I'm like, look, if we're just going to go into his brain every episode and if we're never going to leave the mutant farm, that's a little I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, okay. I mean, it, it's a smart idea from a money-saving standpoint, where it's like, look, we'll just revisit these same couple sets over and over again, but we'll put new and different shit in them. Yeah, it is definitely a money-saving thing, especially with, like, all the, like, trippy effects they want to do with the show as well. They can save money with just using the same sets, but doing 
def- different special effects and stuff. It's it's also one of those things too where it's like okay now we're seeing through David's eyes now we're seeing through everyone else's eyes and it's clear not everybody is seeing the same thing like no one can see the devil with the yellow eyes whether he's Mojo or whether he's the Shadow King is let to yet to be seen but it's made very clear no one can see him yet nor has David told anyone about this guy yet which seems like the first thing you would do. Yeah, exactly. Like the first time you see him, you think you go, "Hey, there's a guy over there. He's kind of fat but skinny, and he has yellow eyes." <laughs> yeah, they they don't do that. They do more of the Inception thing. They do this thing with the inner child, where it's like, "Okay, we need to push even further into his memories now to see what's you know eating him." But we gotta sedate him first so he doesn't go into his mind, but his inner child goes into his mind. Yeah, okay then. <laughs> so yeah, they have a whole little thing there with his inner child. There's more stuff with Sydney too. I've been working under the theory, and I'm sure we would all agree, despite the fact that the show kind of throws some curveballs at you. Sydney can't be real, right? Sydney exists solely in David's mind. I, I think so, yeah. I, I do think so, that, that that's what they're building towards, and it'll probably be like some reveal or something. That, that everyone sees coming from a mile away. Because in the comics, Sydney was definitely one of his split personalities. And my theory for the first little bit of this episode, Chapter 3, was I'm like, ah, look look how no one acknowledges Sydney. Look how no one talks to her or points at her at anything. But then by the, episode, at the end of this episode, they start talking to her and start acknowledging her a little bit. But then in the back of my head, I'm like, mm, I don't know, that could be like David as Sydney and like everyone's just talking around him. Yeah, or it could be like that um, that African-American guy, how he makes the dreams and everything. He's like mm. conjuring that part of David's mind or something. I, I keep expecting them to be some sort of crazy twist like that. Now, something I do like and something that has been incredibly positive since uh, episode one and continues to be Aubrey Plaza. Oh, is she back in this episode? Yes, she is. As maybe a flashback, as maybe a ghost, as maybe another part of his personality that like manifests his drug addiction to that weird vapor shit. But oh man, in the first episode, she was talking about grabbing titties. In the second episode, she was talking about finger blasting. And this episode, she's all about cornholing. And I'm like, oh, marry me, Aubrey <laughs> Plaza. Let us move away together. I love you so much. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she she continues to be fun. Like she's she's the fun kind of crazy. Uh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, they, they go into more stuff in in you know her, her and his shared drug addiction. And again, too, it's like you know, does this take place in the past or the present? Because you know, all the technology looks really old and everything here. So uh, again, you know, you feel crazy watching it because you don't know what's what. Nor do I think we'll know what's what until the very end of the show. Yeah, I I, I imagine there's probably going to be like some twist where like everything we've seen is in D- David's head or in a part it. of David's head or something. I would believe it. I would not be shocked at all if at the end of the show, oh, but guess what? Everyone was one of your multiple personalities. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. You didn't actually meet a single person. Everyone was actually in your <laughs> mind the whole time. And you know, it's because of that, you know, as a comic fan, and because I know that's the deal with Legion. I mean, how the show is called Legion Many. It, it, it's kind of hard to, like, enjoy character development when I'm like, yeah. but they might not be characters. They might all just exist in his head. Yeah, like some new character will come in and be like, ah, no, he's, he's one of the many personalities of David. 
it's it, it's a show that walks a really interesting line and it's funny too like the intros are never the same and the outros are never the same it's all like different music and like weird credit effects and everything it's a very unique show i will give it that i will just say three episodes in i don't know how much longer i'm going to be able to watch it week to week without feeling frustrated yeah i can definitely feel that as well I might just need to wait until it's all done because this really does seem like the sort of show that you gotta watch all of it and judge it together as one piece. Like, reviewing individual episodes is kind of maddening because we've talked all this time and I feel like I've said nothing. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was the episode. A bunch of stuff happened, but I don't know what was actually accomplished. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> his his sister is still missing too. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. His sister, who I thought was his mom for the longest time, because she had like... I the, did as well. I did as well. Because <laughs> she had like the mom haircut, which again, like a retro haircut and a retro dress. Is she just a huge hipster or are we seeing that in the past now? Yeah, it's very strange. Very strange. We do... Okay, you know, here's, here's one big thing we learn. We learn one little bit about like the, the mutant ranch. That's what I'm going to call it. So you remember, like, how the elevator talks and, like, how the coffee machine has a voice and everything? Uh, yes. That's the woman's husband. Apparently her and her husband, who is dead now, got the idea to build this place back when the mutant thing was just starting. Which I, I gotta wonder, does this predate the Xavier School or did it happen around the same time? And they wanted to recruit a bunch of mutants to kind of, like, teach them how to use their powers and everything. But one of their students... The dude with the really ugly hair who we saw as part of the division, the dude with the milky eyes. You know the dude I'm talking about, right? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 I know him. Apparently, he was one of their original students, but in a very Magneto way, you know, oh, I don't want to help people, I just want to hurt people. So he got kicked out, and mm. now he works for the division. Uh, okay, then. <laughs> so a very classic X-Men-y story. Uh, the only coherent thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the one big piece of information I gleamed from this episode. And I'm sure people in the comments will be like, hey, Joel, you're watching the show wrong. It's got so many layers. Look, I didn't say it was the only thing that happened. I just said it was the only thing I gleamed. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's the world building I look for in this show. So that's Legion. And it was good, question mark? Like, there was cool shit in it, and I watched it, and I wasn't bored or anything, but at the same time, I'm like, do I actually like this, or am I just watching it out of obligation? I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's Legion, everybody. I will definitely be giving it a try next week, but it's, it's make-or-break-it time for this show. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah. Of course, with the other shows going on break, maybe I can't afford to drop it if we want to keep doing this show. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and the last thing we're going to talk about this week, as I mentioned, I didn't get to watch the new Star Wars Rebels, but the previous episode of Star Wars Rebels I did see, and I figured Matt would be chomping at the bit to talk about it. Uh, season 3, Episode 15, Legacy of Mandalore. Yes, the second part of this uh, Sabine-centric storyline with her returning to her planet and talking with her mother. Yes, who is a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> There's no nice way to say it. She is a giant jet-packed bitch. <laughs> she she is. She is. And um yeah, it was a really cool episode of course, like nothing goes to plan and there's like rogue Mandalorians who want the the dark saber for themselves and everything. Ooh, yes. And I, I I like that that Sabine's mother actually like kind of 
breaks her hope a little bit it breaks sabine's hope a little bit it's like so did you win that from maul yeah. well no no it was like well then you have no right to rule then doesn't count doesn't count uh-uh uh-uh <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we meet her brother, too, and it's funny, Ezra has kind of a little moment there, because he takes off his helmet, and of course, he's, you know, your your typical, like, animation pretty boy and everything, he's got his boy band locks and everything, and Ezra kind of has a look on his face, like, so is that, like, your boyfriend or your brother, or, like, what's <laughs> the deal, you know, are you, are you a thing, because I kind of thought, like, you and me... <laughs> <laughs> it was a very cute kind of moment there and it has a really awesome fight scene at the end where uh Sabine gets to you know use all the lightsaber training that she's gained to have a big old duel with the you know uh puppet Mandalorian leader who we saw in the previous yeah, that episode. Was, that was that was pretty cool. She she got to use Ezra's lightsaber. I'm a I'm a big fan of fights that take place on a frozen lake, and I thought that was a really nice bit of character for Ezra as well to be like, "Hey, here, take my saber, win this fight." Yeah, he didn't want to get involved. <laughs> also, proving in a nice way too. She's like, "Hey, you know what? At the end of it, I didn't even need the dark saber." Yeah, yeah, she kind of felt like she didn't have to have it, like when she thought she did, and everything, and yeah, and and she's kind of she's kind of off the ghost crew now i guess yeah i did not see that coming i'm like are they really writing sabine out now after she just got the most character development and characterization that she's gotten in three seasons yeah i think she'll be back for the season finale or an episode here and there but yeah i think she'll she'll stay off from the ghost crew for a little bit to sort out her family and her people if uh, if you know Star Wars, and I think Matt and I definitely know Star Wars, I can see in the final battle of this season, they'll make it like a Han Solo moment of like, yeehaw, the Mandalorians have come to help. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Thrawn's going to attack the Rebels, and then suddenly there's going to be a Mandalorian fleet moving from hyperspace mm. to attack him. Oh, they're going to shoot all over the place, and it's going to be like, bam, 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 bam. It's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be very dense. There's going to be a lot of things going on. Yes, it's going to be the key to all of this. Now, I guess we might as well, because we're talking about Rebels, talk a little about the episode that happened this week. That was episode 16 of season 3, and it was called Through Imperial Eyes, which is a great title. Yeah, it was a really good episode. It was an Agent Callus central episode. Nice. That uh, dude's had a hell of an arc since he first showed up. Yeah, and it's about uh, Ezra and some of the Ghost crew coming to extract him Ooh. and take take him away since... Thrawn is closing in on who Fulcrum is, and obviously he is Fulcrum, mm. so he can't be caught out or anything. And it's this great story about him sort of manipulating young Imperial officers into thinking. I can't remember her name. You know that that woman commander with like the bob cut. Oh yes, the one who showed up this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that he's trying to convince this young officer that she's the rebel informant and everything <laughs> and it's kind of like this like he said she said sort of thing and it's a cloak uh, and dagger spy story is what you're saying yeah and it's really great we got ezra uh disguised as a bounty hunter who gets captured and everything very very princess leia in return of the jedi-esque mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it was really cool. He doesn't actually end up going with the Ghost Crew since his cover is left intact oh. and he, he frames the young officer as Fulcrum. Oh, damn. I was going to say, I'm like, oh, is that why they wrote Sabine out so like Callus could come join the crew and be their new member? Be like, hey, we got rid of our bounty hunter, but we got an agent now. No, I, I actually think he probably will be getting a, um, 
uh, a promotion because he he's the one who caught the fulcrum oh nice and, nice that's so and, spy story i love that yeah and we actually get um a neat little bit of like expanded universe stuff as one of the uh commanders who was in i think he was in episode four he was like a, on that round table where mm-hmm. tarkin and and uh vader are. he he appears in this episode his name's i think wolf Ularin. right and i think he's i think he was in um clone wars as well i think right nice i like it when they do that yeah it was, it was a really cool episode really really tense episode yeah, I, I love what I love about Rebels is that they can pay homage to so many different aspects of Star Wars where it's like, look, we'll have a cool story about lightsabers with Mandalorians, then we'll take it down a notch and do like some cloak and dagger imperial spy, you know, uh, Empire court stuff, and it'll be just as engrossing and just as, you know, uh, fun. Yeah, it, it was a great episode. And even though Thrawn wasn't in this, it was in this episode. He wasn't in it for a lot. The times we did see him, though, were really great. We see him, he, he, he um, he's actually a very good fighter because he has these, like, war droids that he trains with. Nice. And, and he, he trains with, like, a staff and everything. And it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, man, it's going to be something when he actually has to fight one of the Jedi one-on-one. I think that's what they're trying to show, being like, look, just because this dude doesn't have the Force doesn't mean he can't kick ass. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, so uh, I think what we're saying is both of these episodes, really strong returns for Star Wars Rebels. Definitely, definitely. Uh, And uh, I guess with that, everyone, we can bring this show to a close. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, If you want to download this episode, will be a link down in the old description. I've actually moved both this show and the Comic Multiverse, which is the show Matt and I do uh, on another weekly basis, over to my SoundCloud page. So if you're not subscribed there yet, please do. We're actually very close to 200, which I think is fucking awesome. Thank you, as always, for supporting the show and liking it. Be sure to check out more of my videos over at Cape Joel if you're interested, and be sure to check out more of Matt's videos at... Fortress of Solitude. Yes, there you go. You can do that. Now, I'm not sure about next week for the show because I will be going away to the Seattle Comic Con, Emerald City Comic Con, where you can see me and the rest of the weekly pull team. That means I'm probably not going to get to watch a lot of the shows and I might want to take Saturday off. I'm not saying I won't do it. I'm just saying if it doesn't show up, you'll know why. Yeah, so we'll, we'll probably have people still asking, but yes, Joel will be away at Comic-Cons. Worst, worst case scenario, Matt, let's give them like an extra length one when we come back. How about that? Yeah, I imagine there'll be a lot to talk about. There might be, but again, like we said, Agents is going away for a bit and Legends is going away for a bit. So we will have extra room to talk about what is on and maybe even we should take on some new ones. Actually, hey, you know, that's uh, that's someone for the comments section down there. If Matt and I were to take on a new show to talk about for Kate TV, what would you like us to talk about? What's going on currently? Because uh, Matt think, and I don't I think watch we're pretty much watching every... I think we're pretty much watching most of the stuff that's on we're trying to it's it's funny you know it's in situations like this where you open it up to the chat and to the comment section they'll try and fuck us up and be like yeah yeah tell us about pretty little liars yeah tell us about that <laughs> <laughs> tell us about what's going on on coronation street and young and the restless <laughs> and you know what we're just to fuck with them we'll do that <laughs> yeah well it's like you know what? i did watch the new episode of yeah. general yeah, Hospital. I, I watched i watched all 50 seasons <laughs> <laughs> just to catch up just for you fucker and you know what i disagreed <laughs> with this new episode <laughs> that sunny's an asshole and i'll tell you why 
Oh, <laughs> uh, and on that note, everyone, we're actually, my God damn it, Matt, this is always the way. I wanted this to be the short 40-minute show, and we're almost pushing an hour now. These shows keep getting longer. Oh, uh, well, uh, they, the TV shows have to stop being good, so we stop talking about them. <laughs> it's true. If they sucked, we would just say they sucked and moved on. But no, we got to have insightful conversations about why we think they're actually all really good currently. <laughs> Uh, okay, everyone, before this gets even longer, thank you for watching. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.